Well, hello, this is Al Simon with Sandler Training by Simon Inc. Welcome to the latest version of Simon Says, Let's Talk Business. I'm really excited today because a really good friend of mine is my guest, Dave McMullen with Red Pepper. Welcome, Dave. Thank you so much. We've known each other how long? Uh, maybe too long to say, but probably a couple decades. Let's not let's not talk <laughs> anymore about that. That'd be yeah, yeah. We uh, we both started companies about the same time. Yep. And you work with mine, and I work with yours. That's right. We knew each other uh, through church before that. Yep. And we've done some ministry things together. We played golf. We've done we've smoked cigars on your back porch. That's we've, right. We've done a lot of stuff. That's been that's great. right. So I'm really excited about having you here today to talk about marketing. Thank you. Which is your area of expertise. You know, it's funny, Dave, when uh, people don't really know exactly what I do, they assume that I'm a, I'm a sales and marketing expert. And they usually say it in that order, sales and marketing. And I always chuckle because there's even companies where they have, you know, the executive vice president of sales and marketing. And I'm going, wow, how does some one person know all that stuff? Because right. it's so different, right? It's just so different. I think of marketing being, you know, the Air Force, and uh, sales being the hand-to-hand combat, the army on the ground. I don't know if that's a good analogy or not. Well, how would, would you have a different analogy? For no, that? I, I like that a lot. There was yeah. a, you know, I'm, I'm involved in a company. We're helping a company and the, one of their old, older sales guys been around forever, you know, and he just doesn't pull any punches, but he basically, you know, as a sales guy, he says, I don't know why we, why we need those marketing pansies. <laughs> I thought, wow. Yeah. I'm um, trying to win him over a little bit at a time yeah. to, to sort of value what marketing does for sales. But um, yeah, no, I like the air cover idea. Yeah. I like the yeah. air cover idea of it because if we're doing our job well, you know, we're providing leads and kind of maybe softening the ground a little bit for the sales team. Yes, that is true. And when we work with, with our clients, the salespeople, they always uh, complain if their marketing in their company is not good enough. If they have to explain their company and what their company does to the prospect that they feel like that puts them behind the eight ball a little bit. So yeah, it's always good to have both engines in, 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 in full power, marketing engine, the sales engine and, and going, going great guns. So let's talk about marketing because you were telling me before, it amazes me that technology has changed the game in marketing. Oh, there's no question about it. Um, you know, the, the rate of change in technology for many decades has, uh, has, has rapidly increased. And um, what has changed over the last maybe 15 to 20 years is that it's cha- the consumers have kept up with technology, uh, much, in fact, much faster than brands and companies have. And so, um, you know, technology is not just for, you know, the big, the IBMs of the world, the large companies, it's pretty much built for the individual user. Yes. And because of that, the speed of technology is changing and consumers are keeping up with it. And uh, in fact, in many cases, driving the advancement of it, uh, the innovation of it. Yeah, you said, the, they said the consumers are actually pushing for more innovation. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, um, consumers, in fact, then consumers actually can even change it. If you think about the, the, the creation of applications, apps on your phone and that mm-hmm. kind of thing, it, you know, two consumers could say, wouldn't it be cool if we could do this or do that with our phone? They sit down, create the thing, put an app on the store, it becomes hot. And all of a sudden people have to react to this cool new thing on the phone that nobody even ever expected. You know, you think about Instagram and how it popped up and grew like crazy. And, but there's, there's countless examples of that. And, um, where we kind of 
spend our time is uh, helping brands and companies understand what's next. Uh, we don't necessarily predict trends, but we follow them closely and help companies understand what's relevant to them in this fast-moving mm -hmm. world. And so marketing executives of the companies, the kind of companies that, are, that become your clients, they feel, what, pressured, inadequate? They feel like they're, they can't keep up? Yeah, but who could blame them, right? I mean, can any of us keep up? You know, I have two teenagers, you know, just when I think I'm following them where they're, where they are on Facebook, you know, they said "Dad, nobody uses Facebook anymore. <laughs> and then I followed them over to Instagram thinking that's where they would be. And dad, come on, you know, yeah, we use Instagram, but that's not really it anymore. I'm like, well, come on, what, what's <laughs> happening? And uh, it doesn't matter if I try to keep up, you know, right on the cusp there, it's impossible. And, but it's also maybe a little bit irrelevant to my clients until the moment that something reaches a certain level of, of impact. But anyway, the point is, you know, it's difficult to keep up and consumers are driving that technology uh, and can even create it. And so brands and companies, marketers in general, have to feel that, have to keep up with that. And so uh, a scenario that happens quite frequently, right, is somebody walks down from the C-suite into the marketing department and says, my son or daughter is doing this. Why aren't we on that? Right? Yes. Whether it's relevant or not, who knows? But uh, they get that pressure. Yeah. And um, so we help them answer those questions and, and uh, then get on and be, you know, be effective yeah. on the relevant stuff. So most of your clients, are they trying to reach the younger generations more than they are the older generations? Or do you need to do both? Oh, yeah. I, I mean, it totally depends on the brand, right? I mean, um, you know, we have Verizon as a client that's mm -hmm. got a, a new product for a connected car. And that's obviously drivers and, and in fact, drivers of a little bit older car that aren't already connected. But then we also have mm -hmm. clients like Claire's in the mall, you know, putting earrings in little girls' ears. And so, you know, it's, it's more about the ability to keep up and be creative and, and, and keep up with innovation so that wherever it is, we're there. Okay. Yeah, like for us, you know, our, our target market would be business owners, VPs of sales. Typically, uh, uh, they're older, although that's changing, you know, more and more in the millennial generation. Uh, is uh, is getting into those positions of leadership, and certainly not entrepreneurs who also need to sell uh, their products and services are in many cases that younger generation or younger generations, and so we're always wrestling with how do we reach them? I mean, are the traditional methods going to work? And uh, so your company is really tracking those trends, and 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 you're able to to get clients to to use your services because mm -hmm. they can reach their market. Is that right? That's exactly right. Uh, it's interesting what you learn if you do a little day in the life study mm -hmm. of your customers, right? You know, I can think of if I was trying to reach sales executives, right? Uh, I'd say LinkedIn would probably be a nice place to talk to them. Obviously, email is still completely relevant, uh, but there might even be some other places, uh, you know, that are that are effective. Uh, you know, just digital media in general can be pretty effective. You know, they're going out and learning and keeping up with their trade somewhere. How are they doing that? Right. And how do we okay. reach them there? Yeah. Um, and then, you know, I would never completely discount what people call the traditional methods, um, which probably includes email now, but direct mail and outdoor radio, TV. I mean, there's nothing wrong with those methods. They're just not quite as targeted as, you know, we're able to do now. So when, when you're helping a client reach their market, is it a big difference between whether their, their market is business to business or business to consumer? Or do you really think about reaching people? That's exactly right. Yeah. B 
even people in a procurement department, although we like to discount their humanity, um, <laughs> they are people. You they know, have, they have feelings too. Yes, they do. Okay. Um, and you know, everything, everything in them, everything they've been trained to do, right. Is to sort of reduce the sale down to its simplest form price, you know, benefits, services that were going to be provided, you know, all of that kind of thing, but they are still people that are making emotional decisions. And, um, and then they'll have to, when they make that decision, they'll have to support it with this data that they're bringing to the table. But even then there'll be an emotional decision. And so, you know, people buy from people they like. And, um, you know, so if you're in a, if you're in an RFP or some kind of process where you're trying to sell to a business and it's equal, all things being equal, who are they going to choose? The, the tighter, better, more relevant brand or the, you know, folks that just kind of mailed in the RFP. Yeah. Makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cause people really do buy from people that they like and trust and they really do buy emotionally and then they justify intellectually. So you're working with that equation in your work too, huh? All the time. Oh, no question about it. No question about it. In fact, um, everything we do, we recognize we have to, you know, talk to the head and the heart mm. and, and the gut, you know, a lot of what we do is where to talk to people, where to find them, where to reach them. But once you've found them, you still have to speak the language that they speak. You still have to connect with them emotionally. You still have to uh, connect the benefits of this product or service that you're offering to some emotional need or some need that they have, some pain that they have in their world. And, and that's, you know, that's where the marketing becomes more uh, art than science at that point, right? So the science is in, is in uh, understanding where to reach the market. And then the art is more the messaging. How to do the messaging? Is that a fair statement? Sure, sure. Yeah. I mean, there's still art in the communication side of it. Understanding, you know, buying behaviors, how people think about certain brands and what, what kind of, what, what space in their brain they they put this brand in, um, but then when you actually wordsmithing, right, copywriting, designing, uh, building, messaging, logos, you know, we just did a, mm -hmm. a, a just a simple little logo the other day for Vanderbilt University. It was a, you know, literally two letters. How are we going to show these two letters? What an incredibly emotional roller coaster that was. You really? know, trying to make sure that we hit the mark sort of scientifically, you know, understanding what this should look like, what it feels like, how people react to it. But then you have folks that are, it's a school, it's been around a long time, right? How do they react mm -hmm. to that? How do they feel about that? How does this fit in with who they are as a, as a university? And so science and art blend, you know, in yeah. a fantastic way there. So blending their identity, their tradition with where they want to go, where, how they want people to see them. Yeah. Interesting stuff. It was not the Vanderbilt logo, by the way, it was work, you know, for one of their, uh, departments. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, this is, uh, this is Simon says, let's talk business. And, uh, we have our guest today, Dave McMullen, principal of red pepper, a great, great marketing company and a, and a good friend of mine for quite a long time. So Dave, I, I'm, I'm, I'm wanting you to address a word that we hear a lot about these days that most of us, me for sure, do not understand. That word is disruption. It has, as I understand, revolutionized the marketing world. Can you give us more information about what, what's that all about? Yeah, sure. Um, so, um, you know, where, where disruption comes about in our world is when one of our clients 
is in a business that's been around for decades and uh, they've operated well and made a good profit and things are going swimmingly. And then um, all of a sudden, some cool new piece of technology or some new product or some you know fancy new brand shows up and completely disrupts their world, completely shakes it up. And um, and you know as we just talked about, consumers, technology, things move very quickly. And so some disruption happens over time. You know, it takes a long time for one brand to rise, another to fall. You know, we've all there's tons of examples of that. But sometimes it happens very quickly, and um, you know that's what we think about disruption now is when um, when when something pops up in your world and all of a sudden your product or your service is irrelevant mm. very quickly. Yes, and that's disruption. And so. Um, and it's that is something that keeps business owners, C-suite people, marketing people up at night for sure. Is the the chance that their business could be disrupted? Well, I experienced that firsthand with a client of mine uh, who, who shall go unnamed, but it was a major uh, PR company, and uh, they had been the market leader for decades. And then all of a sudden, a couple of their competitors used technology uh, to disrupt the marketplace and. Um, almost overnight, they lost most of their market share. It cost the president his job, the VP of sales his job, and, and one third of the sales force was fired. Yep. And that's when they brought me in. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> I mean, not the story, but your yeah, part. Well, yeah. that, that part was good. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's right. So I, I did see that happen in that, in that environment. And, and it happens with large companies like that, and it happens with small companies as well. All of a sudden, the competitors that they're used to and, and are predictable are no longer predictable. Is mm-hmm. that right? That's exactly right. And that's why it's so important for every company, even even our, ours, even Red Pepper, uh, to sort of understand what's next, right? What's next for us? What's next for the market? What's next for the industry? Mm-hmm. And um, keeping a very close watch on that 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 stuff. And and because um, it's a you know the talk people talk about the black swan, right? It's mm-hmm. What what could completely disrupt us? Now, what's what's fun, I think, is that the smart executives are thinking about this in a positive way. How can we disrupt our market? How can we disrupt our industry? So, a proactive approach. That's exactly Let's go right. On offense here. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. You know, now the the sort of the life cycle, traditional life cycle, is that uh, a big company recognizes a disruptor in its industry, and as it begins to grow and disrupt, they go and just buy them. Mm. Right, you think about Facebook just buying Instagram, right? Um, and um, you know, Google buying Waze. Right? There's all these sort of these examples of this, and you know, and and that's fantastic. That's great. That's a way to compete for sure. But they need to be thinking, looking, watching for what's next. You know, in in any in any aspect, right? Marketing as well. So Red Pepper has equipped themselves to handle this, right? So you've got the home office in Nashville, you've got technology there, you've got creative people there. Tell us more about what you've built in your company. Yeah, so what we've tried to do is build an agency that's built for the modern world. And uh, all these things we've been talking about today are the, are the modern world, right? Consumers move at the, the speed of technology, innovation, disruption, those are a part of, uh, of not just business, but even marketing. And, and um, that line that's drawn, that space is where We've spent a lot of investment, not just people and not just money, but even in our space. Um, you know, you have to, in order to really be able to keep up with what's next, 
you've got to build a, a culture and an environment where that is rewarded, encouraged, take risks. You know, uh, it's you know you can't have a place where people don't want to get caught looking at their social media accounts, right? We we want to catch them doing that. You know, <laughs> I tell people all the time, why aren't you watching, playing, doing, you know, that kind of stuff? You know, so uh, in order to do that, in order to really truly be an innovative, creative space, you have to take advantage of the environment that you're in, right? If I'm in a gray building with, with the, not that this couldn't work, but if I'm in a gray building with cubicles and lots of uh, noise, no inspiration around me, it's very difficult to to make that work. And so we've got a space that sort of celebrates all the different work modes of, mm. of, uh, of the modern creative worker. We've got individual spaces, right? For people who need quiet, need, you know, they don't want any visible distractions, don't want any audible distractions. They really want to focus what we call zone in on something. And those are small. We didn't spend a bunch of money on those. Um, but then as you move out from there, you know, sometimes you could work at a Starbucks and you have no idea why with all these distractions and all this noise and the, the baristas making all kinds of racket <laughs> yet you're unbelievably productive right and some people will want to work like that so we have a cafe with all of those noises and all of those distractions music playing people coming and going and um and then the in between of course is team rooms where people can get together six eight ten twelve people and really work with on the walls with a, in a creative space and then larger team rooms for 50 to even up to 200 people and the balance of all that you know just that space is an example of an environment where people can seek each other out bump into each other have creative conversations very quickly can immerse themselves in in clients issues and problems in markets and trends and make sure that we know what's next and what's relevant for our for our clients and you've been able to find and hire and develop really creative people, I understand. Yeah, I, that there's nothing I'm prouder of than the group of people that we've got at Red Pepper. Um, now, we'll say that one of our core values is that everyone is uniquely creative. And so, you know, we're not looking for creative people per se. We may be looking for people that have embraced that creativity. But we recognize that uh, someone in, with a special skill set, with a special tools, and in some cases, you know, f generalists that really understand what we're, what we're all about. You bring them in, put them in an environment where they can excel, create a little bit of a, um, a little bit of a peer pressure environment where you, you know, you're, the peer pressure at Red Pepper is to create, to grow, to learn, to contribute. You know, we don't, there's no office hours. Nobody's looking for you at 801. We're not looking at for you at 501. In fact, we have no, basically no vacation policy. People kind of use their time and come and go as they, as they need to. But we know that because of the way teams work, especially high-performing teams, that those teams are what regulate when people come and when they go. Uh, it's just created a fantastic in, environment for us, super creative, and very effective. Everybody knows when they're being productive and when they're not. That's right. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, that's right. Instead of your boss telling you, your team tells you. Uh, that's far more effective. I'll bet it is. Yeah. A little, little peer pressure goes a long way. That's right. And yeah. I don't mean that in, to say that I don't want people to take a lot of vacation and take time off and go explore the world and, you know, uh, take time when they need it. Um, because when they're here, when they're on at Red Pepper, I want 100% of their brain, you know, to be right. really engaged, really be passionate, really be energetic about what they're aiming at. 
And your clients need you to have people that don't feel constrained by the traditional office rules, environments. And they really, you really need to have people that can, as you say, use their brain to go and be productive and do great things for your clients. Yeah, that's exactly right. If, uh, you know, we recognize that our clients have become very good at pushing a certain flywheel, right? They've become very good. They created a, a company that is a machine that does something very well. Rarely is that creativity and innovation a part of it. And so, in fact, that's what we're sort of counting on, that that's what we provide for them. So we want them to be great at pushing that flywheel that they're good at pushing. Push it, push it, push it. We'll help you keep an eye on the, the, the flywheel disruptor. And then also, you know, how you sell that flywheel to, to consumers and customers and speak to your people. So who should contact you? I mean, what, what size company, what kind of company, what kind of person are you looking to, uh, to talk to? Well, um, it's a great question. You know, I think um, typically medium to large companies are, are a good fit for Red Pepper um, because of the, the machine we've created. You know, if, what we usually talk about is if we're not a good fit for a client, we feel big and slow and expensive, but we're not. We're lean and fast and agile and you know i wouldn't say we're super inexpensive but we're not you know we're we're super competitive in that way so you know for us it's brands that um brands companies that are looking to keep up with the rate of change between them and their consumers reach their consumers through technology understand the behaviors that their consumers are the way they're living their life today and to connect with them in that way and then there's the group that's, uh, you know, the innovators, the people that want to make sure that they are, you know, solving some business problem in the, in the best way possible, uh, that are reaching a market with a product, that are working through the, you know, the, the next thing. What is the next thing that they need to be thinking about? You know, a lot of times we run into clients, you know, Verizon is one, Mars Pet Care is one, that come to us with a business problem that they know is a great idea. They just don't have time to execute it. And so they're able to kind of offboard the ideation of it, the vetting of the idea, the testing of the idea. We can create rapid prototypes of things and then try them with consumers. And so while they're back working on the things that they work on, we've brought them back this vetted idea with a great understanding of how it will either reach a market or won't reach a market or what market it might reach better and how. And uh, they're they make you know they they're more successful when they launch brands that way, and they save a ton of money when they launch brands that way. And their salespeople appreciate it. That I'm sure they do. Way. Yes. <laughs> so once again, this has been Simon says, "Let's talk business," and we've enjoyed talking with Dave McMullen, principal at Red Pepper, terrific marketing agency, doing great things, helping their clients disrupt their markets, be proactive, uh, be on offense, and um, and track trends and be on top of it. Dave, thank you so much for spending this time with us. My pleasure. Thank you. Enjoyed it. You bet. So how can people get in touch with you? Why don't you give a phone number, email address? How, how can people who want to talk to you get, get with you? Yeah, well, the best way is probably just to give our website, um, redpepperland.com, like Disneyland, but Red Pepper Land. And um, all of our contact information is on there. Uh, the, the, a lot of the stories, case studies of, of people we've worked on are there. You know, our contact information, including mine, is on there. So that'd Excellent. be the best best place redpepperland.com okay great so redpepperland.com to get in touch with dave and of course uh sandler training by simon inc we are at uh simon inc.sandler.com
Once again, Simon says, let's talk business. So good selling.